Hey yo, this is the Corner of the Circle. Nice little podcast with me, your host, L.S. McLean. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a nosy person. People are nosy, they wanna know stories. They wanna know what's going on in other people's lives. And yo, I am absolutely no exception. So, sit back, relax, and let's just chill for a little bit. This is the Corner of the Circle. Okay, we're on, we are live. Um, very, very special episode of Corner of the Circle. I, uh, I mean, many of you guys have already, you know, you've, you've, you've heard the voice, you've seen the face of, uh, Dr. Chris Hunt, um, who just, you know, he's on the front lines doing the, doing the, the good stuff. He's, uh, uh, as we talked about before, he's, he's one of my, uh, main inspirations, uh, when I got into the powerlifting game, um, super strong guy, uh, an even nicer guy than he is a strong guy, um, awesome husband, um, awesome dad with just a new addition, um, here of late. Congratulations oh, for that, brother. Um, I, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I'm hoping that maybe LS is thrown in there somewhere in the names, but, you know, I'm, I doubt that's going to happen, but, you know, it is what it Ed is. Cohen tried, Ed Cohen just tried to throw his name in the hat, too, for that, too. I'm just saying. I advised him that head would be too large to come out of the birthing canal. That might be a problem. So. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, well, I guess, I guess I'll take a backseat to Ed for now. Um, and we uh, we also have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Donovan Thompson. Um, again on the front lines. Um, you know, uh, another amazing medical doctor who happens to be uh, very very strong. Uh, he's your favorite doctor's favorite doctor. He is uh, he is uh, multi record holding um, husband to to one of the the, the goats of powerlifting, uh, father to two future goats uh, of powerlifting, and honestly. Uh, one of the, the the most organized, one of the most amazing, one of the uh, the most straightforward men you will ever meet. Um, that again, he will lift you under the table and then he'll make you like it afterwards. Uh, Donovan, I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for being on this. Um, uh, both of you fellas, I I honestly, like I said, I, I'm super humbled for this opportunity to to be able to get some more information um, out to the people. I, I think I think people have come to know if if Chris. If Chris's face shows up, then they're about to get some. They're about to get their minds blown with 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 facts and, and actual data that uh, that's useful um, and that's that's cited um, and that's true, um, not just hearsay. So um, to have Donovan to have you on here, I, I feel like we're about to get a double barrel of some great stuff. Obviously, we wanna we're gonna be talking about um, you know the the coronavirus slash COVID nineteen um, in in all the the dealings as much of the dealings as we can. Uh, and uh, I, again, I, I want to thank you, Chris, for, for really reaching out to, to get this thing started, because honestly, it wouldn't happen without your suggestion. So again, I, I appreciate you for that. Um, for those of the people that do live under a rock, uh, kind of give people a rundown of who you are and kind of what you're doing in terms of uh, this, this whole virus and everything, sir. Yeah, so so I'm Chris Hunt. I'm an ER doc. <clears throat> I've been out of residency for about nine years. Um, and I did my residency actually in New York City. Um, so I still got a lot of contacts in New York and been pondering going back quite a bit, to be honest with you, because some of my residency classmates are going back to New York to pitch in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm a I'm one of the frontline docs right now for this thing, mm-hmm. as is Donovan. That's why I reached out to him, because Donovan's an even more seasoned doc. Um, my understanding is you're still a medical director, right? I'm a medical director. Uh, yeah, I have an ER in Charlotte, and uh, I, I'm a little farther along than Chris. I got out of residency 22 years ago uh, and I trained in downtown Detroit. So all of my 
past classmates who stayed and my attendings are getting uh, hit with the frontline stuff like New York yeah. right now. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. So, yeah, basically both of us are kind of getting pulled to maybe consider going back. I don't, I don't know if you're get, feeling that you're a medical director. Probably on my every day is every day, you know, two, three, you know, Zoom meetings and, and trying to figure out where we're going to put our makeshift morgues and we have tents in our parking lot to see patients and fortunately so far uh we haven't seen the seen the rush yet um but uh we don't you know looking at new york and now you know chicago detroit new orleans you know it's only a matter of time we think although we were one of the first states that did all the social quarantining uh we were the second school system in the country just to close so right that's smart early enough yeah that's smart yeah, I was so. Um, so it's funny because the Arnold, right? So <clears throat> USAPL got hit with that, right? So <clears throat> I remember thinking, oh, man, this isn't going to be that bad. And I think I posted something on Facebook like, bad decision. And then was maybe it was the right decision. Yeah. And turns out it was the right decision, you know, because. If you look at the numbers in Ohio right now of infected and, and death rate, Ohio's numbers are actually down. Right. So Ohio's governor had some pretty good insight on that. And uh, then if you look at Louisiana's numbers right now, because Mardi Gras and Arnold are almost right. always like right. Almost yeah, numbers. almost same time yeah. And it was like the, a few days later from Mardi Gras, I think, and they didn't shut down Mardi Gras. And if you look at Louisiana's numbers, it's like, yeah, it's, it's you know, exploded. exploded. So, at, you know, the Ohio governor made a good call. Yeah. I guess the long and short of it. Yeah, that was my discussion with Chris. I'm like, you put 100,000 people in a building. The athletes are a little different. You put them in one convention hall with one circulating system all touching each other and then put them back to the internet, mm -hmm. major yeah. disaster. Yeah. yeah. Retrospectively, that would have been a disaster. Yeah. yeah, it would have been. But it's funny because, like, before it hits, if you're making these calls, like, you know, shutting down the Arnold, it's like, why would you shut down the Arnold? Right, right. Like, um, and so the governor looks like this kind of fringe weirdo, and it's like, well, you know, but anyways, end up making the right call. But you know, the retrospectoscope, you know, who knows how that's ever going to go? It's Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Right. And it's funny because. You know, Dom and I live in a world of Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Because right. all the decisions that we make are like the here and now. Right. Have to make a call, and then if it goes wrong, then everybody has a bunch of time to Monday morning quarterback it. Oh yeah, um, and that's. I mean, that happens. That's happened a few times in my career. I'm sure that's happened in your career too, Dom. Get a director to deal with happen to your other docs i'm sure so um and, and it's tough it's you know because we live in the world of the here and now and then we get to hear about the the retrospectoscope later via email and the, please help me understand but so i i get kind of the tough decision that the government the governor had to make i mean it's a much larger scale than we had to deal with oh sure. without a doubt yeah. the thing that the thing that i i, I noticed you know as especially you know with with being an athlete at the arnold was I mean, that was some. It was it was like a uh, almost like a fifty fifty. I want to say kind of like a, a you know uh, 
kind of a 50-50 feel, like once it was all said and done, because like, you're thinking to yourself, like, well, why are we, why are we not competing, number one? Um, and then like, oh, well, we're going to compete. Okay, well, well why, why, can't my, why can't my people be there? Oh, okay, they can. But well, why can't people be there? But then like when you actually sit, I mean, and I think, again, this is, it's, it's good to, to be on a conversation like this because now that, you know, having, having you two here, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's more of an opportunity for, for me to kind of understand from the outside looking in, you know, looking back on it, like, like you said, Chris, it was, it was the best decision. I mean, you know, and, and again, it's not one of those yeah. that at the time you don't necessarily know if it's, the, it's the, the best or the worst decision, but I mean, I think from anyone's perspective, and you don't necessarily have to be, you know, in a, a higher position, like at the end of the day, it's about people keeping people safe. And it's, you know, it's almost on that lines of better safe than sorry. Would you rather lose money or would you rather risk the potential of losing human lives? And I think, I think for a, for a lot of us, you know, I mean, again, as an athlete, you don't, you're, you're so, you know, you're so one-sided, you're so, you know, you know, just blinded by your own want and will to compete. You forget, you know, just the, the basic things of, Hey, how about I say safe, you know, um, or any, of course, you start thinking about the dollars and cents that you spent to get there. Um, and, and again, it's a very selfish feeling, you know, when you're thinking about well, why are we not competing? Why can't my people watch me compete? But at the end of the day, it's a competition that can, you know, it can be postponed and or, you know, redone at some other time. But when not given that opportunity at the time, you're like, wait, but why are we not? You know, you're just thinking of what, what you don't have rather than the potential of what could happen. Um, and so to have that foresight of, 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 of what could have happened um, you know, I mean, it, it turned out to be a, a good decision. And honestly, you know, it's, in my opinion, it's almost, uh, it was, a, I mean, I almost feel like it's a win-win because had you, you know, in any big situation like that, I mean, it, you know, if it were a Mardi Gras or, or the Arnold, when you have, you know, a hundred thousand plus people, you know, packed on top of each other in any form or fashion, there's a chance for, for something to go wrong, you know? So, I mean, again, yeah. you, you know, there, there's, there is lost money and I get that, but you know, if like let's say that it didn't go crazy, that you know that 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 you know the that this virus didn't you know goes as as crazy as it has you know in in recent months, um, you know you would have gotten maybe a, a few slaps on the wrist. But I think at the end of the day, if people's safety is what's being taken in consideration, I don't know that you can really you know criticize a man for doing that. You know, so again, that's I mean again that's for my outside yeah. looking in. Well, I guess the best analogy that I could give to an athlete is, you know, it's like, it's like feeling the early beginnings of an injury, right? Right. So, do you make a call and not do the meet, or and not do the competition? Right. Um, or do you just push through it and do the competition you've been training for, and then like risk your, a like your hamstring, right, Chris? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, that was such a bad call. <laughs> Oh, so, okay, so I, it was actually yeah, four years ago now at the Arnold, Damn it was like, I was looking at um, trying to set the world record squat, and I was like, I had this one goal, it was like, I was, I was going to set the IPF world record squat, it was going to happen, it was going to happen, because it was my second shot at it, and I was like, man, I'm going to beat Lane Norton's record, I'm going to do it, and, you know, training for months and months, and mm -hmm. then, you know, I, I hit, I hit it in the gym. I actually hit a little bit more in the gym. It was high, but I was like, oh, I can get it to depth in competition. It'll be fine. 
So I come to the Arnold uh, like a week and a half before I had a super rough workout and I had my coach had me, Mike T had me doing um, knee wrap squats after heavy deadlifts. And I, I felt my adductor go. It was like, I came up with it on my heaviest set and I was like, felt this in my mind. Oh no. Bruising, like I had to bail the weight. I was like, oh man, well, hmm, this is pretty bad. Because <laughs> you know, I had bruising. I was like, but man, I've been training for this for months. I'm just gonna still do the meet. I'm gonna do the meet, let's see what happens. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was a bad call because I turned a partial tear into a, a full thickness adductor tear. I mean, it was it was bad news bears. But I remember Donovan coming up to me after I did it, and he was like, um, "I mean, that's pretty bad. You probably shouldn't deadlift." It's <laughs> like, yeah, you're probably right. So I took a, a token deadlift after I benched, but. Oh man! I think that to your point, Chris, that's exactly the same thing. You were making decisions, you know based on what you wanted, not what was the best decision. You know, a lot of the decisions that have been made in this COVID stuff has been about money. You know, Mardi Gras, don't shut it down. It's about They went to deeper uh, on occupancy instead of yeah. just closing the thing. They still had their big Mardi Gras parades. You know, the, the, the places that seem to have shut down completely and early uh, did the right thing. I stood, it was Monday after the Arnold at my son's baseball game with all of the middle school parents. And they said, what do you think of this? And I said, it's growing at, it's doubling every week. And we're at 100,000 cases worldwide. We're going to be at a million in a month. If you just do the doubling, it's going right. to be a million in a month. And yeah. just like your 401k account, when you start doubling millions instead of thousands, it's real money. And uh, they're like, I just don't get it. I said, just watch the doubling and see what happens. And uh, if we're not, and I said, if we're not making people mad by stopping things early, we did the wrong thing. Mm. And uh, you can look, the, the towns or the states that made people mad and said we're stopping are doing better than the ones that didn't. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing that I, I've, I've started to, to kind of look, I mean, because I, I think at this point, you can't be a, a breathing human being with any type of internet access and not start looking at the numbers. It just is what it is. Um, and if you're not, you, you know, if you're not, you might want to start, you know, just trying to look at a little, a, a few of the numbers. And I mean, and of course, nationwide, you guys are right. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's countless states that, you know, that did get ahead of it. Countless counties that got ahead of it. Uh, and you know, as a result, their numbers are a lot lower than those that decided not to. And I think the, the biggest thing that I've noticed is you have to have a, you just have to have people that are willing to adhere to the rules. And that's, that in itself is a hard thing. I mean, and again, I mean, and, it's not necessarily, you know, you get what you deserve, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't have, you know, uh, uh, a governor slash, you know, uh, uh, you know, mayor, you know, slash, you know, county commissioner, whomever saying, hey, you know, we're going under quarantine. We're going to start, you know, start, you know, proverbial, the proverbial lockdown, you know, people stay home, practice your social distancing, be smart, sanitize, all that good stuff. And you aren't having quarantine parties and having you know, block parties, you know, like not even hours after this stuff has been announced. And then, you know, you turn around, you know, and not even what, two weeks, two weeks post these parties, these, you know, I mean, the, a lot of these New Yorkers I can say have had, I mean, and look where New York is at right now. Um, there's a lot yeah, of, yeah. And, and the thing is, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, you, you didn't necessarily have to be one of those people that attended one of those 
those parties. But you know, <laughs> but you, you're still gonna. But be you, get a, you get the effect of it anyway. Exactly. You, yeah. Um. Of those people. I mean, well, it, part of this is a cultural thing for yes. Americans, right? Yes. Americans have the sense of rugged individualism. That's what our country was built on, right? Right. But if you look at um, the Asian countries, so that have a sense of like um, compliance, like that's a big that's built into their culture. Yes, right? without a doubt. Yes. So um, rule compliance. So um, if you look at Japan's numbers right now, Taiwan's numbers right now, South Korea's numbers right, right. now, I would say. Push aside China's numbers because I'm pretty sure part of it's lying. That's skewed because it's completely. However, um, if you look at you know at people that or the countries that are probably not lying, like Japan, Taiwan, and South right. Korea, their numbers are way down because culturally they value um, following rules. Right. Right. So Americans are all about, well, I want to do what I want to do. Right. And I mean. So, like I said, part of that is relying on yourself, and that's what makes our country great. But right now, <laughs> we're in a time where rule following might be the most important thing to do. Exactly, exactly. Because, so, I mean, literally, it's, it's um, keeping other countries' death counts and case counts down. Right. right. So, tell them, Chris, tell them what your uh, friend in Jersey said about the semi-trucks. Yeah, that's a real feeling. <clears throat> so, a uh, buddy of mine who I did residency with, who was chief resident when I was chief resident uh -huh. at the same time, um, uh, James Hakeem. Shout out to him. He's in Jersey right now, um, not too far outside of New York, and he's got an eighteen wheeler out back because their hospital morgue is overflowing. Get out in of the me. eighteen. Yeah. So in their eighteen wheeler. Um, Pretty much at all times now, he said they got bodies filled up front to back, not only front to back, but three high, stacked up three high. So at all times. That's insanity. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, it's scary. I mean, it's very somber. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but I mean, and, and to that point, um, Donovan and I were just talking. Uh -huh. um, so... People are saying, oh, this is no worse than the flu. You know, oh, the survival rate is 98 or 97%. That, that's a little skewed <laughs> because um, I know in the state of Indiana, I think we met the total death count that we had for the last season. So we equaled that for COVID deaths in a matter of two weeks. Sheesh. I mean, so I just, no, and, and you know, I, I my uh, my dad and I we talk a lot about it, just a lot of stuff, but I mean we were we were kind of talking about it. Actually, my you know my you know at the beginning you know my, <laughs> I mean he made it honestly made it make a lot more sense to me because I mean I it's not that I take things lightly. It's just for for me and a lot of people. It's just you know what if if I do my part, if I stay away, you know if I keep myself clean, I'll be good to go. So, so you know that will that that ninety seven percent you know you know will you know will that affect me? I don't know. Yes or no. Um, so my dad's like, well, you got to think about this. If you have a uh, hundred pieces of candy, because I know you like your candy, but yes, I love my candy. He's like, if you have a hundred pieces of candy on the floor, I mean, it's on, on the table and three of those pieces of candy that you don't know can kill you, would you still eat the candy? I'm like, ah, ah, well, right. You know what I mean? He's like, so right. you don't necessarily know, 
you don't necessarily know which one, you know, which one is which. Do you know that you're you're you know you're not gonna eat that piece of candy? You could be that piece of candy that dies. You don't know. So, you know, you know, I mean it's it's as simple, you know, as he made it he made it sound. I don't like those odds. I don't like, you know, I mean, if it's not a complete 100%, like a 100% survival rate, then, I mean, there is no guarantee that, every, you know, that anyone's going to make it through this. Any and everyone's going to make it through this. So, I mean, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, I hope and pray that obviously that, that it continues, you know, the, the rate starts to drop, continues to drop. And, you know, we do get to a point where, you know, um, you know, it's everyone can survive from this and, and, and maybe that, you know, uh, you know, some vaccine of some sort can be found and, and we can get back to, uh, get back to life. But the thing is, I, there, if, and when it's all said and done, there will no be there. Normal life will be different. You know what I mean? As it should be it, as it should be. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's, you know, in, in, in at least in my lifetime that I've ever seen anything like this, that I've ever, you know, seen people with like, you know, like immediate fear like this. Um, and I mean, maybe it, it, maybe it takes a little bit of scaring to, to kind of shift the thing. I mean, I, I feel like for, for any type of, you know, for anything to, to, to really evolve uh, into something better, you have to have something that kind of shakes it up. And I feel like this is, this is the ultimate shakeup. Um, you know, I, I think I, I've said it before. Um, this, this could be the, this could be our finest hour. You know what I mean? This could be one of the, you know, the finest hour uh, for us as, as humans within our lifetime to, to actually do something to help each other, to be selfless um, and to change our ways uh, for the better. But at the same time, then you see a lot of selfishness still still going on. You still see a lot of hoarding happening. Yeah, yeah it's it, I mean, I've had folks come in, tell me, tell me they had, you know, a first birthday party for their kid and they still had their Mima and Papa over. And then their kid spikes a fever the next, you know, day. <laughs> yeah. And I've had folks telling me that, well, we see all kinds of funny stuff in the ER, you know, but, you know, patients coming in for um, illicit drug side effects because they had a party the night before. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? So <laughs> it's like, ah, you know, come on. one of the times... If you're going to do your list of drugs alone at home, I guess, but like also having a party on top of that, ugh, like you're, come on. Like I, the, I, uh, I, I read a couple of, uh, of articles, two separate articles uh, in both of which uh, uh, referred to uh, uh, these two, uh, one, it was a young man, uh, one was a young man, uh, other one was a, a young woman, and they both, <laughs> they both got, uh, uh, they both got coronavirus from going to Corona parties where apparently if, you know, if, if you or one of your friends, you know, is diagnosed with, with Corona, they throw a party. Like what? I didn't even think that was like, well, so that dates back to uh, chicken pox parties. Uh huh. So that, so it was a thing. I don't know if you experienced this Donovan when you were growing up. I, um, I went to one of those parties when I was five. I was sick. Like, well, I'm not doing this, but my dad's like, all you and your brother sisters are getting it all at the same time, and we're going to be done with it. And that, because there was no immunizations back then. Ah, yeah, so, okay. So, the, so that's what it dates back to. So there, there was actually more logic behind that, though, because if you get chicken pox as an adult, 
it's much more lethal. True. Um, if you get it as a kid, it's usually much more benign. Mm -hmm. So the and all the adults that already had it around you. Right. Right. So, so the logic was you have the kid, get it, get over it. So they don't die as an adult if they get it as an adult, mm -hmm. because usually what happens with chicken pox is if you get it as a kid, you get a rash, you maybe get a fever. Right. And then a week two, you're, you're back. You know, if you get it as an adult, you can get um, pneumonia and die from it, meningitis and die from it. Um, so it's much worse if you get them as an adult. Ooh. So that that was the logic behind those. It's that's man. that notion has got, kind of gotten pushed on to this this idea of the coronavirus. Uh, the problem is that doesn't that there's not a lot a lot of logic behind that one, um, right? Because um, you know, if you look at the death rates, people that are elderly are the most likely to die, but also people that, you know, have immunocompromised like HIV or cancer, or if they have lupus or, um, stuff like that. But the problem is also that there's just kind of random young people that also die from it. True story. You know? So there's no way to know if you're going to be okay or not. Well, so I... You know, we've been talking about you, and it's everywhere right now. Right. Flattening the curve, right? So um, everybody knows the idea of flattening the curve. That's why we're doing this, right? Um, and it's so that that can trick in, and we, you know, we don't mess up our medical supply. We don't mess up, you know, how many ICU beds we have, right. and we can keep keep everybody within that threshold, right? Um, and so in Indiana, we're not going to get above that threshold, so that's good. I don't know what your situation is in Charlotte. You guys are probably okay, too. Uh, it's, 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 it seemed to be getting better. Yeah, we, we were predicted to be over, but now we're predicted to be under. So, But that's because we've done this for well over a month now, right. social distancing yeah. in our state. Yeah, so we're predicted to be okay, too. So New York has already exceeded their capacity. Mm. And so... Um, the thing about the United States, I think, is, you know, if it's like peeing in a swimming pool, right? Mm. So um, we we have open borders within the United States. And, yeah. You know, there's not people really sitting at checkpoints, you know, across the U.S. or right. cops sit at checkpoints. Yeah, there's like no major enforcements for borders or anything. Yeah. So um, if one state doesn't get it right, you know, it's basically like peeing in a swimming pool. The pee still goes all over the pool. Yeah. Right. So I guess where I'm going with that is um, the best that we can do now is to still continue the social distancing stuff, still con still continue doing, you know, the measures that we're doing. Um, because really, you know, once the mortality, kind of getting back to the mortality rate, mm -hmm. you know, once we occupy ICU beds with all these elderly memas and papas, right? Right. And, um, and they start to die, then we don't have the space for the younger folks to occupy the ventilator machines. True the story. ICU and so then what happens is the younger folks start to die off too. And so right. that's, that's, a, that's a really bad thing, obviously. That, nobody wants that. So, I mean, so it almost serves almost like as, as a bit of bottlenecking after bottle. That's man. I guess. And so, like, yeah, and now yeah, we're it's at not a, a... It's not a very big bottle either. Yeah. Like, people think, oh, America's huge. There's 100,000 ICU beds in the country. 
That's a lot. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. Country. That's we just eight the... billion people. <laughs> so, oh my god, I never knew that. It's a yeah. tight bottle. Yeah. There's only a hundred thousand ICU beds in the country. Yes. And and we, at any one day, I would give that half of them are probably being used, right, Chris? I mean, that's probably your census in your ICU is about half full. Oh man, usually in a busy flu season. I don't I don't know about you, but like, are you at a tertiary care facility? Are you at a like a? Are you all, at, all different? We have ten sites. So oh, that's right. So, yeah, you're kind of like me. You go to different hospitals. So yep. uh, yeah, I go to seven different hospitals. So when I'm so we have like a mothership. Oh my uh, gosh. A, so it's kind of a major receiving hospital for a lot of stuff. And so, you know, when you're out at these smaller hospitals and you have like a super sick patient and it exceeds the capacity of that smaller hospital, then you have to call to get that patient transferred to the mothership. Okay. And because sometimes at these small hospitals, there's no ICU beds. So yeah. you've got to give them transferred mothership for an ICU bed and right. you know in a busy flu season sometimes there's not an ICU bed that'll open up if you're on an overnight until the morning like they're already full and that's just a flu season so um and you know we're talking about now this thing and it's like oof, you know if we exceed that and then go well well beyond that then you're talking about boarding a bunch of critically ill coronavirus patients in the emergency department on top of who's coming in the front door and so that just becomes problem on top of problem on top of problem, right? Because if you're doing hallway beds, you know, if you have the critically ill coronavirus patients that are actually in ER rooms, and then you have the people that are coming in the front door with coronavirus symptoms that you're putting them in hallway beds, exposing everybody oh. to coronavirus soup, it's just, it's it becomes kind of madness. So that's the scenario that, we're trying to that the social distancing stuff and the stay at home orders are trying to avoid. So that's just, right. I mean, that's, Oh my gosh. And for, you know, what, and for people like myself that thought like, you know, well, every, every hospital has got to have at least two or 300. I mean, cause I'm not lying in my head. I'm like, you know, I just always assumed that it was like, like, like what you see on TV, you know, like, Oh, there's each hospital has to have at least, you know, 40, 50, you know, maybe a hundred, you know, ER beds. I mean, and, there's thousands of hospitals across. I had no clue that there was like, you know, a hundred thousand. That's it. I mean, and we, we have what over, well, I think we're at like, what, three, three, what are we, 300? I don't know how many million we're at. I think roughly. How many? 350, 350 million. Yeah, 350 million. Yeah. So in the so state that, of Washington where this hit first, everyone's like, oh, what's the big deal? There's, you know, all these. There's only 3,000 total hospital beds in the state of Washington. 3,000 beds. What? Completely. Yeah. Yeah. There's hospitals with like four beds in the whole hospital. Yeah. That's and so I, I think people think we're this grand, massive country. And so we just got like, you know, resources that we can just burn. And they're just not there. Not on the medical side. That's for sure. Yeah. Because so as, yeah, as of right now, we are at, um, according to the... Uh, the world meter, uh, a population we're at 331 million right now. There you go. There and you we go. have 100,000 beds to spare. And honestly, like, to be honest, what, maybe maybe 40,000, to be honest? You know, maybe 40,000 are actually not used right now? Well, I don't know. It could be less. And so, oh, that's, that's, so, I mean, so you're playing, 
I mean, it's like you're, you're, it's, it's like you're juggling. It's, it's you're literally throwing, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're throwing buckshot at a target, hoping to hit it. Like it's, it's, that's just, I don't, man. Like it's just. Well, then you have to start making decisions like they made in Italy. Uh, you're too old. You don't deserve a ventilator. When, when do you start making those decisions? Oh, you're yeah, already too you're sick. A you're a yeah. smoker and had a heart attack once. You don't get a vent. We're going to give it to this young guy. And so it's like we all trained in emergency medicine uh, doing disaster medicine where right. you literally walk around with black tags like in a war scenario and tag the body with a black tag that you don't think you can save even though they're alive. So why waste oh. your resources? Oh, my God. And every time we did this, and I'm sure Chris will say the same thing, you're like, yeah, I'm never going to have to make this. Oh my In some countries, they're making that decision. They're literally black tagging people. Like, yeah. man, I, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, what, I mean, you can't, I mean, I personally could not imagine having to make that decision. I mean, but, you know, I mean, has it, has it, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I know that it's happened in Europe. I mean, in some places, I mean, in say New York, have we gotten to that point yet, or uh, is everybody still be see, still being given a chance? Um, yeah, so good question. So, um, so like I said, I did residency in New York, um, and one of the hospitals that I went to for many months was Elmhurst Hospital. Um, you can read about Elmhurst Hospital right now because it's like ground zero for this thing. Um, so, their situation is pretty dire, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, Elmhurst Hospital is in Queens, and Kind of the living situation in Queens, it, how people live is, you know, it's heavy immigrant populations where people are living in very cramped quarters right. in low-income housing. Right. Um, you know, Queens Avenue is the second most dangerous street in America. Right. Um, so, you know, we would have, they would have a lot of gang wars and stuff on a normal day that mm. we would get several trauma patients all at once. So on a normal day, I remember in Elmhurst, um, there's not a lot of hospital uh, or ER rooms. On a normal right. day, it's mostly hallway medicine. There's stretchers lined up, separated by curtains. You were lucky to have a curtain on either side of you right? <laughs> if you were a patient. Normally, there would be you know, three beds per two curtain space. Right. So imagine that in a pandemic where it's spread by air, right? Sheesh. Didn't have coronavirus go from a patient. Well, you got coronavirus when you left, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that's what they're experiencing right now. Right. right? So um, as far as the bed situation there, I, I couldn't quote anything exact. I mean, um, but I can tell you that some of my friends that have gone back um, from other places in the country that are trying to um, devote some shifts up there in New York now, um, they're saying that, um, like, I know one guy that's in the Bronx right now said, you know, we're probably good on docks right now. Mm -hmm. What the rate limiter is now is we're boarding ICU patients in the emergency department and they're vented. They're there for days in the emergency department. So it's kind of that nightmare scenario that I was talking about earlier is now you have vented, intubated, life support, coronavirus right. patients are lining up in the ER, and now you got people still coming in the floor. That's crazy, um, man. Not the doctors, I don't know about the nurses, but um, the limiter is not, it wasn't him, 
at, at the hospital he was at, the limiter was the, the physical space and the ventilator machines. Um, I don't know. I would, you're on, are you on EM Docs on Facebook, Donovan? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was one person talking about, um, I know, I think it was in Louisiana, how they had a bad day in a community hospital where they had to get a housekeeper to bag a patient you know, to breathe for them because they ran out of ventilators. There were no nurses available, so they had to get a janitor to bag somebody. For oh them. my gosh, man! Yeah, my uh, my chief resident. So she stayed on and stayed as an attending uh, at this the ER that I graduated from in Detroit. And I just texted her the other day, and she said that you know because and, and my buddies were like, well, you know, GM and all the car could be good. So she told me that have 10 nurses, I mean, 10 ventilator patients for every one nurse taking care of them in the emergency department. The ICUs are full. So one nurse is trying to take care of 10 ventilator patients at a time. So you can make more ventilators, but there's not a resource to man those ventilators. Oh, uh, my God. So, I mean, at this point, not only, I mean, so, I mean, obviously, I mean, it, in terms of just resources, the biggest thing that's it's it started to be needed is the actual human resource actually needing people, you know, I mean, needing bodies to help bodies, it's a little bit, it's, it's, I'm not, I can't say it's a little bit of both, but it's, it's definitely both. Yeah. I mean, cause even if you have the materials, even if you have, you know, the, the, the needed materials, it's having, you know, you need people to, to help. Um, like I just, and it's, and it seems to be the organization. I'm, I don't want to criticize any administration, but I just, I think it needs to be. Being up those resources because like I said so Donovan said that there's you know not enough nurses to go around at this hospital and then you know and, and in New York where my buddy is they've got enough docs they just don't have enough vents and beds right so it's so really did like kind of more higher level organization that probably should come up yeah from that, on home that that's what to that, figure out where those resources need to go because if you're out of vents at one place and you're out of docs at another you know, that would be that would be well, useful. That I know was, the mayor of New York was ta was talking about getting a national registry for physicians. I don't, oof, I don't know if that would work out. Um, but because that's that becomes kind of like a military draft almost, and then you're asking civilians to be drafted to other locations that have you know already a contract, right? A private hospital or a private physician group is really complicated. Yeah. Well, but we're um, like one country of a bunch of small countries all fighting for the same resource. Yeah. You know, and so we're like, we, we have to think of ourselves more like we're Europe, you know, yeah. and, you know, Indiana's one country and North Carolina's one country. Now these, they're bidding against each other for these resources. Oh, my and God. that's not helping any of not, us. Not at all. Yeah. That's, well, that's a, a really well, here's here's a question because again, you guys would know more than I do, especially on this subject. But I mean, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, Chris, about it, you know possibly having something you know uh, uh, you know organized at a higher level. Is is there not some you know some type of you know maybe not registry, but some type of of, of form of communication to where you know as as many you know medical professionals as possible can you know not even like a Facebook group or anything like that, but something you know obviously far more formal uh, to where you know if 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 you're able to volunteer your time and or services or your materials, or you're able to divvy out these materials or, you know, um, you know, where it's 
I don't know if it could be flat across the board, but something along the lines of, you know, I mean, you have your top tier of doctors and then you'll have the next tier of, 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 of nurses. And, you know, you'll have the next tier of, I don't know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, medical supply uh, companies or whatever, where you can all go to some centralized, some centralized, you know, I don't know, I guess it would have to be something along the internet or some, some centralized location to where you have your, your, your number of, of, your number of people, um, what their specialty is, um, your number of, 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 of beds, your number of ventilators, whatever, where like almost a full inventory of, of people and materials can be kind of, kind of taken like, Hey, you know, in, in Detroit, we are in need of, I don't know, we're in need of up to, you know, 60, 60 nurses and, in you know, 20 doctors. If, if you're able to, to come, blah, 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 you know, you know, let us know here, yada, yada, yada. And then it takes those people off. And then, you know, I mean, is that a possibility? Is that able to be done? Is that being done? I should say like, is it's not being done. Um, I know statewide Indiana's got a mechanism in place that uh -huh. um, had an email out for like a, a registry to ask people, you know, would you be willing to go and do yeah. X, Y, Z? Right. What's your specialty? And right. So our individual state did that. Right. I don't know. If, did you guys do that? Or well, you... I mean, I think one of the things to tell us this point is, first of all, like just emergency medicine. And I know that well, because I hire that. We don't have enough emergency medicine doctors on a regular day right. across our country. Like we have yeah. a shortage of surgeons and ER docs across the country. Right. Number one. Number two is until this happened, my North Carolina license could only work in North Carolina. I couldn't go to another state. Ah, true story. Yeah. Until Trump's said this pandemic, there was no ability for me to go help in Indiana. Ah. I didn't have a medical license in Indiana. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, I can go within, and then even within your state, Yes, but I have to have credentials at that hospital in that oh, state. Oh my gosh! I, and that yeah, takes months, months of time and effort and finances to get done. And so, yeah, there isn't that mechanism really where you can just, you know, the 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 government made it better where you can just say, yeah, you can go anywhere. And now these hospitals that are in need can quick credential you. Uh -huh. um, so. I don't think to answer your question is there is no mechanism, not even really within our states until this happened, oh. which for 22 years, I've been saying the flu is terrible every year. We're not prepared for it every year. We need to be prepared for this every year. And every year they're like, well, it's over. Summer came. We'll, we'll, we'll worry about it next year. And then now. Are. And so, I mean, I, uh, way under so like I mean in 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 the, in I, and I'm sure there's a lot of there's a lot of uh of doctors you know in you know in the in the same boat with you that 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 echo exactly how you feel in terms of, of the flu because it it seems like it gets I mean it does it gets worse and worse every year um I mean and I just feel like anything that that can have mass fatalities at, at any point in time in the in you know in the year um especially during a specific season it's something that obviously should be, you know, looked at. Something that should be, you know, um, treated with, you know, a bit of, of a bit more priority. Um, and kind of how we talked about in the beginning, this, this, you know, you know, once this is all said and done, and and you know, and we go back to to life, it won't be the same life we went back to. And and you know, a lot of a lot of things that we took for granted, i.e., the flu, and and really not making it a priority in terms of having something in place to really, you know, prioritize uh, the treatment and and really how uh 
how serious it's it's taken, I believe that that's going to be. I believe a lot of, at least in my opinion, I believe a, a lot of, uh, of 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 uh, of of sicknesses and diseases that we 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 maybe tended to overlook um, prior to this. I think a lot of them are going to go. I, at least in in my opinion, I feel like a lot of of the people may go back and revisit a lot of these to see you know uh, the root of a lot of stuff and to see if there's a chance for these strains to mutate and and do. And, and, and kind of do like this this coronavirus. Did. I mean, because because all I ever knew of it was, you know, hey, this is just a, a more aggressive strain of flu. Okay, you feel that? Whew. That's break time. I get tired of listening for too long. So let's chill for a little bit. Quick little break. Stretch your legs. Get something to drink. And then mosey right back. And let's listen up to the corner of the circle. Let's get started with the next part. And, I mean, and the thing is... Coronavirus is the common cold, usually. Yeah, yeah, so... It usually causes the common cold. Yeah, uh, so I just... Coronavirus are the two most common culprits for the cold. That's crazy. and, and yeah, it's, it's totally mutated. That's insane. You know, I mean, it, it's... I mean, and so for... for 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 you guys right now, like you like you had said, Chris, you're you're a bit torn right now, trying to you know decide whether or not uh, you know whether or not you 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 want to you know get get back out to New York, um, you know, and you know and 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 I mean and help. Yeah. yeah, and then the question becomes: if I leave my home base, then am I screwing over my buddies at home mm -hmm. when something spikes here? And then, and then, of course, my wife is pregnant now. So. Yeah, yeah. Is that, I was <laughs> like, right. Question, right. Um, what a mess, right? It's, it's <laughs> leaving me irrationally terrified a little bit. But um, so, you know, God bless my my residency classmates that have gone back and right. And been, but um, <clears throat> it's yeah. It this is um, really exposed. A lot of weak links in our system, mm -hmm. for sure. I you know I'm I lucky state uh -huh. that um, has got it together, especially at hospitals that have definitely got it together and it did a lot of planning. Our administration is actually very good. Um, some other locations have not been so lucky, um, but you know Donovan. I know he's like he said he's been involved with this at the administrative level and been doing a lot of planning and uh -huh. for the, for the administrators right now and in individual hospitals, I mean, they, they're working every day, yeah, even on their non-clinical days, constantly nonstop on trying to figure out how to stay ahead of this thing. Um, you know, one of our administrators at our hospitals actually looked into cause, cause he recognized there was a national shortage of wow. equipment. So he looked into how can I help my doctors and, there was a doctor um, in Taiwan that came up with a design for um, just a glass, basically box to uh -huh. sit over a patient before you intubate them. Because basically what an intubation is, is um, taking a tube and mm -hmm. putting it in somebody's airway to right. breathe for them. They can't breathe for themselves anymore. Right. Well, that's like the only procedure that we can do when somebody gets bad enough from COVID to, right. as a last effort to save them. And so then they, they are then on the, the ventilator machine. Well, if you're 
intubating somebody, obviously you're right in their face with their mouth right in front of you and say if they cough while they're going out right. while you're um, or something, all of their airway stuff goes in your face. Exactly. Major exposure. And so administrator helped push to get these made for us and um, actually got them for several of our hospitals that he's not even affiliated with. So like I said, I'm pretty lucky to yeah. Administrators and good um, got help hook up Donovan with the specs for that too. And I, you guys have those intubation boxes too. Right? Yeah, you sent it. You sent it to us, and you know I work for a group, US Acute Care, which is like a hundred hospitals across the country and right. ten just in Charlotte. And so we needed, you know, one for each ER. Anesthesia was already sitting on board, and one of our docs knew someone from Roush Racing. Uh-huh. Went over there with. Uh, Chris's specs, and they made us that day. Oh like, my gosh, that's crazy! We just walked away with them and had them. That's yeah. awesome. So I mean, people are, people are coming together, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's good news in this. I think you know, and the numbers are looking good. Yeah. We've been talking about doom and gloom and stuff, but I think so. For a lot of states, the social distancing is helping. Mm-hmm. You know, New York's pretty bad right now, but I think they've already peaked. Yeah. So it's not totally doom and gloom. Um. My concern is you can't like you can't escape the economic problem, right? Mm-hmm. With this, right, right, because that that creates other problems too, right? Right. So poverty, domestic violence, right, suicidal, you know, suicides, right? So, um, so it's become a a big jumbled mess, right? The other thing that I know Donovan and I are both ex- experiencing right now is the number of acute heart attacks that we've had come in our front doors is down by about 50%, which people don't stop having heart attacks. Right. So they're just not coming in. Um, oh. So another downstream effect has been that the number of um, people that are getting called as dead on arrival in the field by medics has gone up times three. Um, so, People aren't coming in for other routine emergencies. Right. Um, I've had patients that have come in hours delayed where they normally can repent. Right. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's it's becoming this weird jumbled mess of stuff. So people need to still try to come in with their feeling, you know, like they have severe chest pain. Right stroke-like symptoms and people aren't aren't doing it because they're afraid of acquiring coronavirus right you can't you can't you know drag one for the other right if you're having a heart attack you can still die of a heart attack true story right so that is that's my bigger concern is once we open this up Mm -hmm. and we open up the stay-at-home orders people are gonna we're gonna have a second wave of um, real emergencies that have been sitting. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Very bad. And so people still need to be seeking medical care for their normal stuff. They're, they have really bad belly pain. What is this? You know, I have really bad chest pain. What is right. this? Um, because people can't be counted on to know if they're having a heart attack. Oh, without a I doubt. I can't even be counted on to know if they're having a heart attack unless I get an EKG and tests and a bunch of stuff, right? That's yeah. How doctoring kind of works, right? So they just need to come in and get checked out, um, but they're just not doing it. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just, I mean, again, you know, some people are following and some people just fear, you know, I mean, in, you know, I, I know, I mean, fear is, I'm telling you, man, fear is, I mean, you, you guys know, I mean, you see it probably on a daily basis. Fear is such a, you know, it, it's such a motivator either to go or stay. And most people at this particular point in time, there's just enough fear in the air with everything going on right now is, I mean, fear, fear will make you freeze. Um, whatever it is. Um, and if, 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 if you do have like a pre-existing medical condition, um, you know, for fear of, of, you know, of, of amplifying that, you know, adding something else to that, you won't show up, you won't go. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've seen it a lot, just, you know, just, I mean, African-American man. And I mean, our community going to the hospital is, I mean, it's almost like admitting death, you know what I mean? At, at some point, you know? And so you, you, you have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, men and women in the African-American community that just, we just will not go to the hospital. Um, we just will not go to a doctor. You know, and, yeah. and so you, you see that a lot. I mean, th that was happening already. Now you add to this, you know, the whole COVID-19, and that's just going to increase the lack, of, uh, the lack of participation, you know, on an exponential level. Uh, and so you, you tend to see that not happening a lot more Especially now, I'm glad that I'm glad you pointed that out because I mean, for me personally, I, you know, I just it's it's a it's a it's a scary thing. Period. You know, it's a scary thing. Period. To to be going through a time like this, but I mean, when you know you you see people, you know, I mean, not necessarily dying right and left, but people are dying right and left from you know from from COVID nineteen from you know from complications as a result. I mean, and and I think the the thing that makes it more real for you know for for people that aren't you know, in the front lines like yourself, um, is the fact that you are seeing, you know, celebrities and you are seeing people that, you know, that people that you know, and people that, you know, people that somehow you're, 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 you know, you're related to or indirectly related to, you know, um, getting this and, and being affected by it. Um, so the leaders, the prime minister of the UK got it. He yeah. almost died. Yeah. So he it's like, it. yeah. But, so I, I mean, it's, it's, it's in your face it, it, it's probably the most in your face, uh, you know, in your face, uh, disease that we've seen, um, in, in quite some time. And, you know, um, it's, it's, you know, and when there's this, doesn't seem to be like a, an end in sight, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily help that fear factor in any form or fashion. So, I mean, you can see the numbers and, and like you said, you, you see that, you know, um, in a lot of a lot of states and a lot of areas that that did practice the social distancing um, successfully or are continuing, I should say, to practice uh, social distancing uh, successfully, you, you see the you know the numbers are you know uh, kind of they're kind of going down. Um, and and as much as you know as much as I want to you know use the you know the Chinese numbers as an indicator, like hey, this is a possibility that you know we have a shot. You can't necessarily trust those numbers one hundred percent. It's just you know it's. Decisions are having to be made. They're having to be made on, you know, on, on every level. Uh, Donovan, this is really this is really directed to you. Um, right now, I mean, as, as far as some of the decisions that you're having to make, I mean, and you don't necessarily have to go into crazy detail. I mean, is it, is, is it just one of those things where every day you're like, oh, man, I, I can't believe I'm having to make this decision or I can't believe I'm having to, you know, decide these resources go here and there. I mean, I mean, is it just a, a, a constant you know, a kind of a, a constant mental beating that, not necessarily a mental beating that you're taking, but a constant, you know, you know, I'm having to be on my toes on a daily basis. Like, is there, you know, no end in sight? I mean, what's, what's really having to go on, going on with you? 
Yeah, I mean, so I, I get it from two sides. So, you know, I have the administrative side. I also work clinically. Right. So I'm waiting for like, the bubble to break where we go from, you know, we, we cut a doctor shift out of our schedule because people aren't coming as much to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, and so we're all waiting for then we're going to be there 24 hours a day. Right. Um, and this isn't, you know, we're trying to just like Chris was alluding to, we have to open up the economics at some point and right. we're going to know people that died from this. So I have that side of it. Then right. I also have a 16 year old with a new car who doesn't know what to do with himself because he's got, you know, ice. He, want, he, he wants to do something. Can't leave. Right. Um, and it, you know, this, we're going to slow it down. It looks like we're slowing it down, but this is going to go. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, but you usually got to get about half your population infected before you start getting what we call herd immunity, where people don't keep spreading it to each other. Right. Um, so, you know, we have to get 150 million people to get this thing in the United States before we stop spreading it rampantly. And we need to have that happen over a year to two years. Right. I mean, the simple numbers are probably millions of people are going to die from this, but at least it's not tens or hundreds of millions right. of people, which is where this was going to head if it was anything like the flu was, you know, when it hit its pandemic the first right. time in the early 1900s. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's every day it's a, a new change, a new what, who do we test, when do we test? Um, at some point, do we still need to keep testing? You know, Chris, before, like, how many people, really think have this five to 10 times as many as we probably know. So if the world numbers are 2 million, maybe it's more like 10 or 20 million have right. gotten it, which would yeah. be great. That means it wouldn't be as deadly as we think it is. Right. Um, because, it you know, but, the Spanish but, flu, the, go ahead, Chris. Well, but the way it's sweeping so quickly, that's the problem is the resource utilization and, and right. in the infectivity. Cause we don't know what the actual, how, how infective it is. Cause right. We won't know that until we test everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, Chris, I think this is at least as contagious as the flu. Yeah. Uh, and it appears to be maybe twice as deadly. I mean, if you do those simple numbers on just our world population of 8 billion people, so it, Spanish flu killed 2.5% of our population. That's 200 million people. Right. Today. If it was 10 you know oh, 10 man. times less infected that's 20 million 100 times less infected that's still 2 million deaths yeah. in the next year or two if it's the flu and we think this is at least contagious maybe more deadly Jeez. so that's why we got to slow it down so we're it, this is like uh, I trained in the mid early and mid 90s when HIV was at its top right? oh, AIDS my. was at yeah. killing everybody and they said then, you're going to know everyone in the world or everyone in our country is going to know someone who had it. It's going to be the same thing. We're all going to have one degree of separation from someone who died from this in ah. the next couple of years. We just got to make sure that we slow it down, that we don't overwhelm the systems like New York, Detroit, and New Orleans are figuring out right now. Yeah. Because when you start stacking bodies, that's, that's bad news. So... My, my question to you guys is this, um, I mean, you know, and, and I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, want to know, because I, it's one of the things that can be, again, a lot of people, you know, don't, don't necessarily, I mean, a, a lot of people, I guess, they go by the, 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 what they see on TV or what they read in terms like the media, they don't necessarily have the opportunity and or the resources to really kind of dive into it. Um, 
I'm I'm lucky because I, I I have I have Chris at my disposal, and I feel like I'll, I'll get a I'll get an article here and there that like to, to help educate myself. So I appreciate you for that, Chris. Uh, but uh, the, the question I do have for you guys is, I mean, if you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's it's some people are going to die. A lot of people are going to uh, to die from this. Um, if you know, in, and I guess in a perfect scenario where they're like, you know. You know, not all the beds are taken and not all the resources are taken and not all the, the doctors and medical professionals are, are put under, you know, crazy strain. And you are to, you know, uh, to, to get this virus and, you know, you have all the symptoms and, and you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're going through the whole thing. Um, you go to a hospital, you know, you know, is a person able to survive? I mean, obviously, person, people are, I mean, people are surviving from it. People are being discharged and all that good stuff. But I mean... The, the average person that walks in are, are, you know, what are their chances of actually surviving this thing? And I'm not talking about like the, the rates and everything else, but what are their chances of surviving if, if being able to be, if being able to be given the proper care? Good. I mean, they're good. The average person is likely to survive. Um, so it's not all doom and gloom. Like I said. Right. Um, the average person. I guess that's what I was trying to get at. Is it, it's not yeah, all. Yeah, so the average person is going to survive. Right. So that's the good news. Okay. So um, the issue is just that the amount of the death rate is, is higher than what we are used to. Right. Um, and, and the, and the thing is this, this virus is kind of weird. So what we're starting to learn is that <clears throat> initially it was being treated as um, all ARDS. So ARDS is a thing where basically uh, what's the best way to explain this? Like, kind of like you you drown mm. in your fluids. I guess ah. maybe a good way. Okay. Um, and and so not a lot of things do that, um, but really bad pneumonia can often do that. Okay. And so so actually, as it turns out, the people that get really sick from it, that's like one type of what's happening. And so there's another type of folks that are getting really sick with it that we're starting to learn have what's called happy hypoxia. So Hypoxia is low oxygen. Right. So it's it's a really weird thing. And so people are coming in with oxygen levels of like 50% that's real. Mm -hmm. And they're talking and breathing. And they're not labored breathing. Mm -hmm. It's, how is it? You know, the only time that I've really ever seen patients that come in with a low oxygen level like that, that aren't like, basically dead right um it's like it's things that mess with your hemoglobin it's like carbon monoxide right. um i don't know can you think of other examples cyanide cyanide that's the, but cyanide's a thing that'll kill you instantly if you don't fix right. it right so this is a really weird thing so the um but it's also they're acting kind of like high altitude pulmonary edema so like altitude uh, sickness yeah so that happy hypoxies are kind of acting like that and so we're starting to learn that maybe the happy hypoxia is we don't need to put on life support right away. Right. Um, like if we can get them a ton of oxygen and actually what they figured out in, I think this started to really get popular in New York is that if you put them on their belly and give them a ton of oxygen, oh. while they're, they get more oxygen to their lungs. Oh, I've seen um, and, I've seen some of that. Yeah, I, I, it's I, starting to work a little bit. Um, yeah, we started treating them like uh, 
pediatric patients with just high, high, high flow nasal cannula oxygen instead of putting them on ventilators and masks. And now we're actually developed some virtual hospitals where we're sending people home with emergency oxygen just to stay at home because you have it and you're just hypoxic. Uh-huh. So we're just going to leave you at home and let someone check in on you every day to make sure you're still doing well as long as we can get oxygen to your home. And, and oh, so we wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's now like an online hospital we're using. Yeah, and avoiding a ventilator, right? Because yep. normally, like, if if this were a different circumstance and I would walk in and see a patient with an oxygen level of, like, 50% and be like, ventilator. Ventilator, you know, yeah. Ventilator, no question. But this thing is, like, you know, it's true. You walk in there, 50% so like, unique. still talking. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's making us think outside the box, that's for sure. Yeah, and, I, and for... For your case, LS, this seems to be selectively worse for African-Americans and for people of Mediterranean descent because that population, because of thalassemia Mm -hmm. and sickle cell, sickle Sickle cell, cell, yeah, do as well with hypoxia. Right. And hemoglobin disease. There's hemoglobin hemoglobin issues, which is more than Mediterranean people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So African-Americans and a lot of the, you know, Italians, how they got busted up by this pretty bad. Right. those things that those those hemoglobin disorders that selectively kept you alive centuries ago protected you now right. make it really bad for hypoxia and yeah. hemoglobin problems, and Yeesh. so we have to be very culturally uh, biased at times on who you can. You like what diseases do you have? Why do we, we treat differently? Right, race and genetic. Yeah, man. So it's it's obviously it's it's important to know your 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 family medical history. That's for sure, especially. Oh. Especially times like this, you know, so I, you know, I mean, and, and again, I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, I can say I'm one of the fortunate ones, you know, as, as far as a lot of the guys I grew up with, I mean, because I, I, you know, I do, I know my family, you know, medical history, you know, to the T, but at the same time, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm one of few that I know of that, you know, that, that actually know that. I mean, because I mean, I'm, a lot of black people don't know their family medical history. A lot of people, period. Let's be honest. A lot of people, period. Do not know their family medical history. And so, you know, you know, if and when you are faced with something like this, you know, and you are, you know, asked, you know, well, do you, you have, you know, do you have a history of this or does your family have a history of this? And you don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's, is it, it I guess my question to you guys is, is it almost like, you know, you know, throwing darts, you know, in the dark, kind of trying to figure out like what, what are the proper procedures going to be for this particular person? Because we do not know their family medical history or you almost have to base it off of what, Basically, what's in front of you right then and there. Yeah, you base it off of what's in front of you right there. Well, I'll tell you, LS, that most people don't know their family medical history. In our age group, the 40 and unders, most of us don't know our own medical history because we don't go to the hospital ever Mm -hmm. unless you're dying. And no one goes and gets their primary checkups. No one knows that they have undiagnosed hypertension and diabetes and all Mm -hmm. these other problems. And they're just not doing anything about it. So they show up. Like, hey, yep, you might have COVID because you got a sniffle and a cough, but you know your blood pressure is 200 over 120? This might be the COVID that saved your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get you on blood pressure medicine, and you're not going to have a stroke in a year. I want to kind of direct, I guess, this next little part, man, before I let you fellows go, just toward the, you know, toward the, the athletes right now, toward the, the people that, I mean, they have their home gyms and all that stuff, I and mean, they may be still going to the gym and, and all of that. Um, 
like I know again, I kind of said just kind of joking around. Like a lot of us, you know, a lot of athletes, a lot of people that lift, a lot of people that you know that are are pretty active. A lot of times you feel like you're bulletproof, which is could not be further, you know, from the truth. You're not bulletproof in any form or fashion. Um, you know, uh, just here recently, I guess. Uh, I mean, because I think for the most part, we, you know, everyone's like, well, you know, I train, I lift, I, you know, I, I work out, however, you know, many hours a day. Um, doesn't that help my immune system? Uh, but you know, there's there are also the the studies on the other side, you know, that that do show, you know, that there is a, 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 I guess, a partial breakdown of the immune system once you get past the point of, uh, you know, once you push your body past the limit. Um, how much is that, you know, really, you know, coming to play in terms of like where we're at? You know, I, I, I'm trying to make the question, I guess, make sense. Um, how much is that, does that kind of come into play in terms of, you know, the, the physical breakdown? Um, you know, does that stress the immune system out more than, you know, more than people actually know? Or, I mean, is that something that we really shouldn't concern ourselves with? Well, it is a thing. I mean, mm -hmm. marathon runners is a classic example of how uh, they have decreased immunity when they're you know, high stress training, and right. close to close to a race. So, right. I mean, it would make sense that for lifters too, you know, if you're close to a race and you're cutting weight, that your immunity goes in the toilet. Right. So in a way, this, with all the meets being canceled, this is probably a blessing. Right. Um, a forced off probably, season, if you will. Yeah, exactly. It's a forced off season, right? So it's going to protect at least some of our athletes. Right. Um, because if you're not having a meet, you're not cutting weight, you're not, you don't have high training stress, so right. your immunity is going to be closer to what your baseline immunity is. Right. So that's a good thing. And the other thing is, you know, I've, I've seen on some Facebook groups that people are still talking about dieting and stuff. Right. I'm like, no. This is the worst part. If the worst time to do dieting. So right. I would say for the athletes out there, do like. While this is going on, just do like maintenance level lifting. Right. You know, maybe push it a little bit, don't, but don't go nuts like where you're peaking. Right. You know, as far as dieting, do like maintenance or hell, maybe this would be a good time to have, you know, bulking cal you know, calories, yeah. maybe you know, gain a little weight, right. boost your immunity a little bit, you know, stop smoking, um, drink less, that kind of stuff. Um, so just try to be at like kind of your normal homeostasis level, right. maybe even a little bit more so on the calorie side, right. maybe a little bit less so on the training side. But don't don't stop training, obviously, if you right. can. Um, right. And I see a lot of people out there with home gyms and, you know, like we have, and we have people who are outside of our home who lift with us. Right. How do you get decision? I mean, without naming names and I will like Jeff Schneider, he lives with us, right. he lives a mile away and he lives alone and he has only contacts with us basically because his job is shut down. Right. So there's no reason he shouldn't come lift with us every day and stay healthy and do all the right things. Exactly. I'm right there with another, you. Then we have another lifter, Cindy Amatuzo, who's 55 and lives in a retirement community. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you can't come here. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. you're exposed to me every day. Me, right. me and Chris are like the nidus of infection, right? Oh, We're the yeah. ones who are going to bring it home to our families exactly. and to our friends. And so you can't go and get your whole retirement community sick because you got exposed to me. Right. Yeah. So same, similar story. So when the gyms shut down in the state, I had a bunch of guys reach out to me. And so Irvin Gaynor, um, mm -hmm. this is way throwback. Do you guys know where Irvin Gaynor is? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John, I'm sure you do. Ellis, do you know? I know the name. It, uh, 
American dude. Right. About Johnson's age. He's a multi-time um, equipped yeah. world champion. He reached out to me because his son his son was out of school and the mm -hmm. gyms are shut down. And hey, can you lift there? Can we lift with you? I was like, well, it's probably okay. And that lasted for about a week. And then the governor issued the stay-at-home orders. And I'm like, look, guys, I'm an ER doc. I'm going to get you guys sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if anybody's going to get sick, I think we need to shut this down. So, I mean, it was awesome to train with him again because I hadn't trained with him for right. 10 years. And he's like a good dude. And he's really, a, he's a technician for sure. So it was like, I was getting some deadlift tips again. And then I was like, uh, you know, guys, I think we just got to, we got to shut this down. Yeah. I, I think you got to look at like, you know, what I told Jeff and uh, my other lifting partner. One of my lifting partners owns a Chick-fil-A and he's like, I'm out. <laughs> you know, he goes, I can't come here because there's no way I can infect my staff and right. my community. I I I not taking it home to right. Who are those people taking it home to? Exactly. If there's elderly people, uh, if there's you know cancer patients, kidney disease patients, you have to stay away and train in your own basement uh, until this kind of gets a little bit better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I I had a couple guys uh, coming, and uh, one of my guys he um, he was just like, yeah, coach. I he's like, I I, I want to get your opinion on it, and uh, he's like, well, I. I'm a butcher. I'm like, okay. And he goes, I'm exposed to a lot of people. I'm like, yeah. He's like, and I just, because I just don't know um, if, if it's, you know, if it's worth me coming, I don't want to get anybody sick. I was like, well, how about this? If, if the, the shoe were on the other foot, if I were a butcher coming to your home, how would you feel? I don't know that I would want you to come. I was like, well, that's your answer. So, um, I mean, and it's, it's you know, it, it's not necessarily a case-by-case thing, but it really is. It's, it's a person-by-person -person thing. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, how's your living situation? And so the people that, that you know, the, the people that come to my home, like, I literally need to know, you know, most of them don't even have a job anymore. And like, all right, well, you know, right. I, 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 and I feel, I mean, you do, you feel bad because you have to tell a person to their face, like, you cannot come. You know what I mean? And I, and yeah. for me, the, the hardest part is they all have to either text or message me, hey, is it okay if I come? This is a daily thing. Is it okay if I come in? I mean, there's, you know, there's been some days like, you know what? No one can come. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And I will literally go in that garage and I will sanitize the thing from top to bottom. You know what I mean? And, but it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, everyone could be, you know, as, as, as clean as, as, as fresh snow. But for me, my thing is I'd rather be safe than sorry, number one. And, and number two, if it's, it's not about everyone getting these huge gains. Like, like you said, Chris, it's about their maintenance and, you know, and just making sure that, you know, that, that they stay healthy. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, it, 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 these are, you know, not only are they hard times on, on a lot of people, but again, you know, these are, I mean, for lack of a better term, these are very uncomfortable times for people. Um, you know, there's, you know, for, for those that aren't on the front lines, for those that, that don't see, you know, what, what, you know, don't see what you, what you fellas see and don't have to deal with what you fellas have to deal with, for the rest of us that are on the outside, um, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Because we're having to do things that we never had to do before um, that we're not used to doing. Therefore, you know, while you may not like it um, and it may not be anything super bad, it's just it's very uncomfortable because you're used to being able to go to the store and see toilet paper on the shelf and being able to get it and walk away. You're, you're used to being able to, you know what I mean? Something as simple as you're used to being able to go and, and, and get ground beef and not have to stand in line, you know, five and six and seven feet behind another person. Um, you know, it's. You know, you're used to being able to be, you know, I guess, uh, early, an early 2020, late 
2019 human being just being able to do kind of what you wanted to do um, and really not being aware or really having to consider, you know, um, I guess everybody else around you. Now it's just causing people to be a bit more considerate for themselves and for other people around them, which is not a bad thing, you know, and while it may not be the exact same way when everything's all said and done, if this doesn't affect people in the most positive way, I'm telling you right now, we don't deserve to be alive. And that's, that's, that's exactly, that's how I feel. You do not deserve to be alive. I get you. <laughs> like if, if, if after all this is said and done, you don't think about, you know what, man, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should watch my hands a little bit more or, you know, maybe I should be a little more considerate of this, this elderly person, you know what I mean? Because, you know, their bodies are kind of taxed, you know, or maybe I should be just a little bit smarter of how I operate or, you know, or how I, you know, just little things here and there that, that we took for granted, you know, say four months ago that we're really having to take into consideration. Now, if this doesn't affect how you live your life in the most positive way, then again, natural selection, my friend. Um, I just, I just really feel like there's, there's, there's an opportunity for us to have our finest hour as human beings. There's an opportunity for us to, to really, you know, really strap it up, you know, and, 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 and just educate ourselves a lot more on the situation and not be, you know, uh, uh, an armchair, you know, an armchair, uh, you know, doctor and not be a, a keyboard doctor and really, you know, take the opportunity to, you know, to, to read on the facts and, you know, seek out people that, that know, what they know what they're doing, number one, and have been involved with it like you guys are. And, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, you know, when you, when you have the information. And I think the difference, one of the biggest difference between, you know, um, gentlemen like yourselves and the rest of us is that you have the information, you know, and you see it on a daily basis and you're in contact with people that, that are a part of this. And so, you know, while it, I mean, there's, you know, while it, it some of the stuff, some of the information can come as a surprise, you know, you still, you yet and still, still have the information and you still make that conscious decision to go to work. Um, you still make that decision. Like, do I, do I want to go help? You know, do I want to, you know, go above and beyond what I'm already doing? You know, am I able to make that hard decision? Because most of us are never, damn near all of us are never going to have to make that decision. Whereas you guys have to make those decisions on a daily basis. Um, I can't, I, honestly, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, you know, being in a position where I could be exposed to this on a daily basis and, you know, having to come home to a family. You know, or having to make that decision, like, there's going to be a decision, there's going to be a point in time where I might not be able to see my family. Um, like, those are things that, you know, that I, I, that I know mentally, I don't know that I can actually, I, I don't like, I can handle that part, you know? And so, I guess, uh, again, Chris, you know, I, you know, I freaking, I feel like you hung the moon, you know what I mean? And, and, and Donovan, you're like, you know, you're, you're my uh, Phil Jackson of, <laughs> of, of, of medical lifters. I just feel like you guys just, you do stuff that... Really, Phil Jackson. That's that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. He's, he's, he's he not. Is especially Phil Jackson VOSAPL. I'll give you that, man. Like, he's pretty good. That I just you know, and I just feel like you guys, you know, you, you know, you give so much to a sport already. You know what I mean? And and then you know, I mean, of course, you know, your livelihoods and and, and what you you give, you literally give to the human race. You know what I mean? Uh, and I just I don't know, man. It's just I know decisions have to be made on a daily basis that I just, I don't know that not every, every person could do. Um, I just, I don't know, man, I, that having that information. I think, uh, we're, we're all this together, right? I yeah. Mean, God bless the grocery store workers right now. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we have to do a better job at thinking of other people. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Early on, the one thing that showed is how much people are not thinking of others. You know, oh, yeah. no one's going to the bathroom more. Why is there less toilet paper? Because people are hoarding it. Exactly. Like, there's no reason to do it. And toilet paper that I'm eating. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, I, I've yet to purchase any since this all started because yeah. how often, I mean, you don't go through it that fast. No. You know? And so, we have to think of other people. And if, if anything, like you said, LS comes out of this, maybe we'll have a better appreciation for the guy next door and do something for someone else. Oh yeah. Without I think a doubt. There's, there's, there's a, there are definitely two camps that are emerging and it's becoming very clear that some people are for sure thinking of others. Oh yeah. For sure. Yes. And there's definitely another camp of people that are definitely not thinking of others. And it, oh. it's really, it's become, it, it's making it very apparent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when it's all said and done, when this, you know, I mean, I say it all the time. People don't forget. People do not forget. And I mean, you can you can say what you want. You can do what you want. Present time. If you choose to be a selfish person, then fine. You, you be that selfish person. If you choose to be that selfless person, then by all means, you be that selfless person. But when it's all said and done, people do not forget. Um, they don't forget, you know. They don't forget how you treated them. They don't forget how you made them feel. Um, they don't forget your businesses. They don't forget your services. Um, but I mean, again, they can either either they're going to remember you or they're going to forget you. And by that I mean, you know, the 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 businesses that 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 chose to give people a break, the the services that that chose to give people a break, the you know the the people that were able to give people breaks that chose to do it and did it. People don't forget that type of stuff. I mean, I mean, I. I'm a product of that. I'm a product of people, you know, giving me a break here and there and, and, and giving me a chance to survive here and there. Um, and I never forgot those people. Um, and, and I feel like that's going to be echoed over and over and over. There's a lot of businesses, you know, local businesses that, that are small businesses that, that chose to, to shut their doors down or that, that chose to, 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 you know, to, I guess, you know, I guess shrink as much as they could to, to, to operate their businesses. And, and they still kept giving giving people breaks. And as a result, so many people keep going back to these businesses to make sure that they keep their lights on, you know, where on the other side of the coin, you see, you know, businesses that they're price gouging and, you know, they're, there's, there's a Mexican restaurant here in town that's literally selling rolls of toilet paper for six bucks a roll. But what are you doing? Yes. And I just, in, in my heart of hearts, I hope it's just because they need the money. Um, and I mean, and maybe that's the way that they feel like you know. I mean, we can you know, we can you know make some make a profit here and there. But you know, I just feel like for me personally, I know that restaurant, and and I I know how I am. And I think Chris, I know you know how petty I can be sometimes. And I <laughs> that business is going to go on a list of businesses that I know for a fact. You know that price gouged. And I mean, I have no problem saying. There's, go ahead. I was reading. I was I'm sorry. I was reading an economic article and basically this guy was talking about how like how businesses act right now is going to echo for a hundred years oh without a doubt how they behave toward their customers and their employees is going to echo i mean because it, it will be remembered right now right yep and there's definitely some businesses that are getting it right and some aren't oh yeah you know? but um i th- during this time things will definitely be remembered. oh yeah that's without sure. a doubt I mean, and so I, I think with, with you know, and, and again, that's going to, like I said, I I apply both of you you guys, Ben, because again, you know, like I said, I, people people are going to remember. I mean, and, and I mean, 
definitely, I mean, I remember this conversation and the people that have an opportunity to listen and watch this, I mean, they're definitely going to remember this. Um, um, real quick, I, I, I'm going to ask you guys both uh, a couple of uh, a couple of questions and I'll, I'll let you guys go. Um, but a, a big thing that, that, that I want to know that, I mean, and I'm sure you guys have run into it uh, more than more than you want to admit, but what are, what are some of the, <laughs> what are a few of the, uh, the common, uh, I guess, oh my gosh, because uh, there's so much misinformation out there. What are uh, a few uh, of the, the biggest uh, pieces of uh, misinformation that you guys have, have, have run into um, concerning this particular uh, virus? I, I'll, I'll start. This isn't going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I'll start with that. Um, so <clears throat> Donovan alluded to this earlier. So the, the two things that we need, one of two or both, are going to be a vaccine uh-huh. or herd Right. And to get that, we're about a year and a half away. Right. Um, Bill Gates has done a lot of the financing for the vaccine. That's right. Kind of- right. <laughs> and so um, his estimate is probably about 16 more months away from a vaccine. Right. And then you're talking about um, everybody yes. getting the vaccine mm-hmm. and then that taking time to work. So we're talking about probably 18 months. Um, and that's if we get a vaccine. And right. So Convincing hurting, people you won't get the disease from the vaccine. Yeah. Right. And so it's, so, I mean, we're looking at a year and a half of this thing looming over our heads. Right. So it's just, I think that we need to hunker down and, and accept it. This is life. Be, be good to each other and be just cautious and safe as much as we can. Um, this conversation just, it, it came up because in, in my family, there's mostly non-medical people mm-hmm. besides my wife and, you know, my wife's pregnant now, right? So right. it's like, so the question came up, you know, and is Chris operating in hell against policemen mm-hmm. going on? And I was like, well, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I don't think my wife wants me, my pregnant wife wants me away from her for a year and a half, right? especially after the baby's here, because this isn't going away right. for about a year and a half. Right. So there's this, yes, I'm, I am, you know, ground zero for being first person to be infected. Right. And there's also my wife's pregnant and we're going to have a newborn and there's logistical problems there too. Sure, yeah. And so that. So, you know, I guess my, my problem is just a microcosm of everybody else's problems that they're going to experience. Right. Right. So the bottom line is, is that this is, this is not going to go away anytime soon. So that's the biggest thing that I think that I would like people to understand is this is, this is a new reality. We need to be safe. We need to be cautious and we need to think of everybody else. Yeah. I think that they're going to open up the country, the state, the world in some order. Um, and that's not going to make this go away. There's going to be hot spots that are going to pop up over the next year or two oh, yeah. where all of a sudden name the city is going to be in disaster plan again. Um, and so we're going to see that. And so maybe that area shuts down a little bit uh, and we have to be very cognizant of that. Um, the other one is the, the myth, you know, like, oh, car crashes kill more people than this virus. Like, yeah, but they die on the road. They don't come in and clog up the hospitals and keep other people who need medical care right. from getting medical care. And I think that's what people don't understand. Oh, it's not a big deal. Car crashes kill more people, but they're not 
coming in and taking all of our ICU beds. True story. Uh, and so the different, this is a, people who go on ventilators with this disease are on them for 10 days to two weeks. Whew. People who normally go on a ventilator are on them from two to three days. Right. So not only are they using them more, they're using them 10 times longer, you know. So that's the, they're going to up and going Man. away for sure. Yeah. I, um, ah, man. Okay. And this is, this is, here's a, here's, here's a question. I mean, cause I'm glad that I'm glad that I looked at my phone. Um, he actually sent me, he just sent me this. Um, the question is, um, uh, is actually, it's a pretty good question. If, if you, if you were to get the disease, um, if you were to get the disease and be discharged, uh, could you get it again? Oh man, that's a complicated one that I don't think we have a good answer for yet. Um, I think we'll probably answer question. no, um, because like, cause that's kind of not how immunity works. I mean, there's these stories popping up of like an article just came up with South Korea and people are testing positive again mm -hmm. for virus. Well, there's also data to show from it. I was looking at a Chinese study that, um, if you don't have symptoms, uh -huh. false positive rate of virus test is like 50%. Uh -huh. So basically, if you don't have symptoms, the test is kind of a useless test. Right. So I, I'm, I wonder how many people in that, because this, there's a South Korea article that's circulating around. I wonder uh -huh. if how many people in that South Korea article are just don't have symptoms and they have a false positive test. Ah, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't have an excellent answer for you, but I can... My understanding is, you know, most of the time when you get something, you know, and you get over it, and then your body has the immunity, right? And you're over it, and then if you're sick again, then it's like something else. Right? Oh. Yeah, you immunity says you shouldn't be able to get this again unless we develop another novel coronavirus uh -huh. in a year or two. You know, like <laughs> yeah. uh, this, this isn't the first one, right? This is the third one right. in the last five years. Right. Uh, this is just the one that you know, went rampant, uh, wasn't contained as it's contained the other two were. Um, so you shouldn't be able to that. Yeah. There's going to be a, some very small percentage, less than 1% of people who don't build immunity to it somehow mm -hmm. and, and get it again. Like there's always that story of the guy who got chicken pox twice. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't hold a lot of water usually. Oh man. That's crazy. Man. This is, oh man, my mind is blown yet again. Uh, Chris, now you got me about to dive in more articles. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I, fellas, I cannot honestly, I cannot thank you enough. Um, this is, this is huge, man. I, um, I'm gonna make sure I edit this and, and get this out to the people as much as possible. Um, between the internet cutting in and out, and and, and it's weird. Just I feel like just, you know, I, I feel like it is when us all hit. Just I feel like it's everything just kind of started doing this. You know, I mean, from services to everything else and. I mean, uh, I tried to make sure that I, I was able to get you guys and, and all the, the, the good points you guys had uh, throughout the, the internet cutting in and out. Uh, but uh, you may get a call back from me like, hey, could you explain this a little bit more? And I might add it a little here and there. But I'm going to try to get this out to people ASAP. This might be honest. I might drop this tomorrow. Um, you know what I mean? It, it, I just I, I think people need to hear it, number one. And two, yeah, I, sooner the better. Yeah, I think people need to understand that this isn't, you know, this isn't something to play around with, um, you know. And you know, while I think the the probably the 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 coolest point that that both you you know kind of echoed of one another is, you know, I mean, if 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 
if we get to the point where people are taking care of people and we're considering our, our fellow man a lot more than we have in the past, I think we're we're off to a really good start. Um, obviously, with with you know, hopefully the trend of the the numbers um, continuing uh, continuing to decline. I hopefully hopefully that that trend continues. Um, you know, and hopefully you know we can we can revisit this you know eighteen to twenty four months from now and and talk about hey remember that time you know that <laughs> the COVID nineteen went rampant like that'd be That'd be an awesome, uh, you know, follow up to all of this. But but I do from the bottom of my heart, thank both of you so very much again, Chris. I, I can't thank you enough for, for uh, arranging this and putting this together. Um, I will make sure that uh, I have both of y'all's uh, social media and all that stuff up there. If if, uh, if people have questions uh, for you guys, is there any specific uh, way they can reach you to? Yeah, I'm, I'm at at Huntsy08 mm -hmm. on Instagram. Jennifer Thompson's husband. It's easy. <laughs> all right done and done guys thank you again if you have anything um um you have anything else that you you want to talk about you know you can always reach out to me man we can well i mean honestly we can make this a monthly thing if you want um just you know if if you guys want this can this can definitely be something that we can talk about in the future uh i i thank you again from the bottom of my heart um if you need anything you know where i'm at um ladies and gentlemen i donovan thompson and of course mr chris hunt thank you guys very much appreciate it Right, see you. Thanks, guys. What's up, guys? Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Corner of the Circle, for watching the YouTubes and listening to all the different podcasts and all that good stuff. I uh, want to let you guys know, also do some coaching. Um, you can go to ellismcclain.com, and it will uh, lead you right to where you need to go as far as filling out an inquiry and all that good stuff. And also, uh, if you want, you know, apparel needs and all that good stuff, we got swag. Elspeclaim.com. Again, thank you so very much for everything you guys are doing for us, man, and helping us grow and all the good stuff. Uh, like I said, stay tuned. We got more stuff coming, more episodes coming, more content coming. Either way, a lot of stuff's coming. Thank you guys very, very much.